A very important image was attacked that day. The image of, of, of this Van Gogh painting, an iconic historic piece of art. A very important image. Every day in our nation, the image of God is, is attacked and destroyed, more than 500 of them, in the womb. And I have no hesitation in saying each one of those babies matters far more. Okay, and here today with me is Christian Hacking to uh, discuss this. Now, Christian, there will be a few out there who are audio-only listeners, so they will have um, not been able to appreciate the visuals there. Just talk us through what happened there. What's the context? What's what's the news story? Okay, so um, in that video, uh, you just saw um, two uh, women. Uh, basically, they come up to the famous Van Gogh sunflower image currently in one of the rooms of the National Gallery. They take off um, their trench coats, revealing a political, you know, stopping drill message on their shirts. They quickly um, open up a uh, two tins of Heinz tomato soup. Uh, you know, the introduction of the new kind of can opening, obviously making it a lot easier. No need for a can opener on this occasion. They toss the soup in in uh, symmetry over the Van Gogh painting. And they then um, stick themselves, or they, they faff about a bit, trying to super glue their hands to the wall, um, at which point the lady on the the left viewing the image uh who he basically has has pink hair and has a good speaking voice my wife actually thought it was a politician um on the youtube video then makes this statement beginning with you know what's worth more art or life mm. um and and then holds up the empty can of heinz uh tomato soup as she makes this impassioned call um at, and after about a minute and 15 seconds of this security then usher everyone out the room and the rest is uh you know a special police squad that has to then scrape their hands off the wall and you know take them down to the police station for processing uh so yeah that is yeah that happened i think three four days ago uh, something like that and they are now facing i believe criminal charges for uh, for damage the the, the painting, as it turns out, was was covered in glass, wasn't it? So the, the painting itself, thankfully, wasn't damaged. That's about, I think, £70 million worth of of painting there. Um, but there was damage done to the frame. And, uh, and of course, you know, had there not been glass there, it would have been an incredibly uh, costly stunt. So they are facing um, criminal charges. And it's sparked a bit of a discussion, hasn't it? Um, are these tactics right? Is this driving people further away from their cause? Is this the way to try and persuade people? And uh, and I thought it'd be helpful for us to talk about why we don't throw soup at paintings uh, in in our activism. I mean that that question, you know, what matters more, art or life? Let's let's start there. Um, what what do you yeah. what what do you make of that that sort of that sort of point? I mean, you know. It, do we have just a carte blanche just to, just to go and sort of destroy anything we consider to be you know less less valuable than the thing we're, we're advocating for? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't really need to vandalize a kind of uh, a kind of internationally acclaimed art piece to to pose that question. Of course, life matters more than art. The the issue really with a stunt like this is. Um, it, it basically bites off far more than it can chew uh, in terms of um, bringing Van Gogh's painting into it, bringing criminal damage into it, uh, combining oil and the living crisis and a bit of product placement from Heinz means you quickly lose uh, not only credibility um, for, for people who, who, for most of us who are law abiding citizens, but you also, uh, you lose the audience as to exactly the point that you're making. Um, and so the first I actually knew of this, Dave, was listening to LBC radio. I do confess, I do listen to LBC, uh, you know, um, and yeah, basically the, uh, a spokesperson for these women turned up and said, look, we all know the painting's covered in glass or plastic. It's not going to get damaged. The point here is not over the painting. The point here is what about, you know, the issue of the oil and the blah, blah, blah. Um, but I just, when he said that, I was like, no, 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 no. 
like we've got to talk about the painting mm. because it's the painting that has just been vandalized you know yeah. um and so i think all of these uh features you know need to be addressed um, yeah yeah and it, it is a, a very sort of extreme version isn't it of of attention seeking it's just it's a stunt i mean to my knowledge van gogh wasn't an oil man uh or at least oil, oil paintings it, perhaps yes yeah. but but crude oil i think no and um and so although they want us to then immediately with them change the subject to what they want to talk about all, all we are still talking about is the van gogh painting as you, as you say so it doesn't necessarily uh, lend itself very well to to focusing and and good activism is all about focus isn't it of the attention mm. the people you're trying to reach um it doesn't do that but it is worth saying that the the point of what what matters more you know art or or life of course one doesn't need to choose between those those two things um but it but you know a very important image was attacked that day the image of of, of this van gogh painting an iconic historic piece of art a very important image every day in our nation the image of god is is attacked and destroyed more than 500 of them in the womb and i have no hesitation in saying each one of those babies matters far more than a painting and it is, it is a greater outrage I, I think it was outrageous the, the throwing of paint at this this beautiful painting i think that was that was outrageous it is a greater outrage by far that one of these image bearers should be not only attacked but but successfully destroyed in the womb every day i have no hesitation in saying that those lives matter more than this painting and yet no matter how convicted we are of that truth we're not resorting to measures like general destruction just because those babies matter more so so let's let's talk a bit more about why i think it's helpful how you, you mentioned you know that it, they bite off more they can chew that they've changed the subject before they've even raised the conversation um but let's talk a bit about this idea of disruption that some of these activists are claiming support from the history of social reform saying look civil disobedience is the way you get change you basically need to kind of almost force almost bully people sort of twist their arms into change now, what's what's true about that what's what's not true about that yeah so so you know what one of the phrases that we use a lot in our work is you have to make the cost of maintaining the status quo unbearable that's a, that's a tenant in all social reform history so so clearly in any uh if there's an issue that society doesn't want to address, they're not going to address it spontaneously without some level of disruption, right? So, so in that regard, uh, you know, these activists have have um, employed that facet of social reform quite effectively. Okay, which is they have disrupted, uh, you know, you know the the kind of peaceful uh, ambience of the of the. Um, not only of the room in which the art thing and you hear the man there's a there's a man in the background who, he kind of screams in horror he's like oh oh it's like this like he's been kind of kicked right and, and there's something powerful about that which is you know um there, there's uh art is creative right art is a facet of being made in the image of god is which we create uh like god created us we go on to create other things and that's why art is um, especially fine art and, and art that was informed by by the kind of Christian enlightened principles as opposed to the reductive you know postmodern principles it's, it's a it is a it's an it's a it's a mini it's a sub creation of God's creation so 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 when you when destructive force comes against it it's kind of you know it is it does produce a uh, visceral reaction the only problem is the person who <laughs> says afterwards security it's kind of like you know anyway it, it's like it was i don't know why he was questioning whether he should be calling security as kind of anyway maybe um, he was just hoping there was security in the building but yeah yeah maybe um, what maybe just a, a a cry a cry for help not being confident it even existed well well i but, but i think maybe maybe it's just whoever said that was probably used to the fact that you know um vandals and roadblockers are are being supported hmm. you know by the law um, and and it, you know, can we really expect security to come to our aid to stop people from destroying uh, paintings, etc.? Um, so, so from a disruption point of view, you know, they're onto something. But but the question is, you know, what 
what are you disrupting and how are you dis disrupting it, right? So take, for example, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, you've got um, the bus boycotts was mm. a famous thing, in, you know, inspired by uh, Rosa Parks and others. And, and basically he persuaded la uh, the, the black population and those who wished to ally from them from the white population to basically stop taking buses, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't damaging uh, people's property. It was, uh, it wasn't conjuling or uh, bullying people into a certain point of view, but it was, it was saying that um, if you're not going to let us ride um, equally on a bus, then we just won't ride on the buses, right? So it did have a disruptive impact, but the, but the, the but the message was clear, right? Mm. It was all about um, the right to um, travel on a bus just like everyone else, and if that right wasn't going to be recognised, then they won't travel on the bus. So, so even in the disruption, you are immediately. Uh, directly coming and hitting back on the question that Martin Luther King is trying to pose. Again, one of the issues of this protest is um, within a, a kind of a few syllables, you're entering into kind of like abstract, you know, cause after cause after cause. It's not, you know, you know, um, what what's more important, art or life? It's like how sorry, how many steps are there in that mathematical equation? You know, so I think it's very hard for the public to come in and say. Um, okay, that makes total sense. You know, mm. I can mm. see why they destroyed, you know, that or attempted to destroy that national art piece, etc. So mm. I think, so I think there's, um, yeah, I think the, from the disruption point of view, you know, they, they not only disrupted, not only did they got a lot of media coverage, which you could argue was a success. Uh, but, but the issue is um, the kind of disruption that they caused um, doesn't lend itself to the message that they're trying to, mm. Mm. uh, to convey and it also um yeah it the, the disruption is of such a violent and and you know uh, destructive nature that again it's hard for people to uh i think for the public at whole to get behind it and be like yeah fantastic good on you hmm. Hmm. it is you could say it's almost a, a civilian target they, they picked on there you know what was so different about Martin Luther King's approach and and a lot of people you know claim support from him they want to be seen as in line with his methods but they, they don't really know or understand his methods necessarily that well everything he did I'm not saying he didn't you know he, he made mistakes but but the the key actions for which he and the movement are remembered and the, the actions that helped to move the ball down the pitch were, were very very much targeted on the issue itself so it was, as you say, the, the bus boycott. Why? Because black people weren't allowed to travel in the same way on buses as white people. It was you know, huge numbers of people turning up to register to vote, knowing that it was their legal right to, but at the same time, they were going to be refused by dishonest um, clerks. You've got uh, people uh, asking just to just to peacefully march and, and knowing they'll be uh, denied that permission and then doing it anyway. This is not general vandalism. It's not having a go at the nation at large. It's it's focusing the action on the problem itself. And I think good activism is is always focused on where the problem is or who the problem is, and and bringing pressure to bear there, mm -hmm. rather than sort of generally causing trouble to people who are just mm -hmm. trying to go about their their normal business um mm -hmm. you know so we've got as well as the the paint thing of course you've got people lying on roads blocking traffic ambulances can't get to where they're going um fathers real, trying to get their children to hospital etc right yeah so th these these are sort of real you could say these are just innocent pa passers-by they're civilians they're they you know m many of them may, may well passionately agree with the activists already and yet they're still mm -hmm. being um, harmed in in the sort of in sort of crossfire, but perhaps we should we should clarify something before we go any further, which is the work we do isn't protest work anyway, is it? We don't protest. We're not protesters. Sometimes we're called protesters, but yeah, actually so, we we're not. Yeah. So so yeah. So we we don't protest abortion. We show abortion for what it is, and abortion protest itself. And really, our work is an educational work, and it's a persuasion work, right? So it's not a protest work. It's a persuasion work, and so when we go out onto the streets, we hold up the uh, images depicting the reality and value of unborn children and the reality of abortion. We would we never block roads. We don't use um, we don't block pathways. We never use 
audio devices to amplify our message, etc. So we're so we're hundred uh, percent law abiding in that regard, and and the disruption we cause is um, is far more on a on a kind of um, emotional visual level because people are being uh, confronted with something that they think is the termination of a pregnancy or their, you know, or sexual reproductive rights. So, so our disruption is more of a psychological kind of rewiring of what abortion does, which is fundamentally different, but to, 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 to these people with their soup and their vandalism. I, I think what is crucial though, is, is any social reform movement has to persuade the common people uh, who are on the fence on an issue to come on your side, right? And and this is an escalation in kind of some of the eco anti-oil tactics I've seen is it's basically penalizing the common people, right? It's it's not actually um, it's not actually holding power to account. It's not exerting pressure um, on the institutions and the elite and the, pe- the decision makers. It's basically just penalizing, um, you know, common people trying to get to work, trying to, uh, you know, you know, potentially on an urgent errand, um, on the motorway, etc. So, so I think this is where one of you know some of these um, these new protest techniques fall down. Um, is they, you know, they're not actually getting, uh, you know, the common people on board. Like, you know, if if for example, you know, they keep telling me, you know, all the science, all the latest research um, says that the world is going to end in forty five minutes. Um, like why 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 isn't there an eco group you know with a big billboard just outlining that evidence outside my local tube station mm. you know because then i can engage with them and think okay gosh you guys do have a point what you're saying does have evidence and now on my commute i can i can consider whether what you're saying is true you know it's it's this kind of it's it's kind of you know the, 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 these these two um tomato soup you know uh, people that they've missed out. They, they've jumped over the persuasion set stage. Mm. You know, they're not, they're not persuading me um, of the issue. They're just, you know, uh, you know, on this occasion, you know, and, and also on this occasion, you know, it's, it's a public gallery. Like it's a public, it's for the public, you know, so it's, so it's a, it's a gift to the public paid by the taxpayer to allow people to access art. It's like, you can't get any more unelite in that regard, you know, and yet that's where sh- they're choosing to mount their uh, their campaign. So I think strategically not a good idea. Um, it, it's a it's a protest without persuasion. Um, and and what we what we try to do at CBR UK is to be very strategic about where we do it, who we're trying to persuade in the common people and 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 making persuasion and the facts uh, the kind of core of what we do, as opposed to, um, you know, uh, any any other kind of feature yeah and it's worth mentioning i think that even those who are sympathetic to the cause that these two young women were were standing up uh for and um, even those are divided over whether this this was a good idea whether this has helped the cause it's made people angry plenty of people who support their point of view have said this is not the right way to go about it and that that's a cause that enjoys a huge amount of support in the mainstream media i mean the newspapers, the news channels, all the institutions, you know, the banks. I mean, um, uh, I even got a I got a, a bank card the other day, and it, it was celebrating that it was made of eighty five percent recycled plastic. You know, it's mm. it's everywhere. This this agenda is is almost totally accepted by all the the powers and so on. Of course, these activists that say, well, it's not enough, but you know, fundamentally, the whole of mainstream culture already agrees, and yet still. They didn't take kindly to this kind of activism. If we if we stood up and did something like this uh, as pro-lifers, uh, we would actually um, obliterate any kind of platform or hearing we might have managed uh, to build up and give a very easy excuse for anyone to dismiss um, our message. So, so certainly, my very strong encouragement to any pro-lifers out there, anti-abortion activists, is is do not mimic these these um, these antics. Uh, they they will do damage. Um, mm. to the cause we 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 of all people cannot afford to just throw our toys out the pram and, and sort of vandalize things as if that's gonna mm. advance the cause it really really um isn't and but but actually the simple truth 
the reality of abortion itself is so disruptive that actually what we're advocating and what we do is is in a sense very unradical it's very simple we are merely pulling the curtains back and showing people what this thing actually is i mean you can't get any more basic than that we're just showing what this thing is and and the the plain sight reality of abortion protests itself so you could say violently so so compellingly so arrestingly that you know on the odd occasion we've even had people persuade the police to 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 shut us down um not successfully thankfully um but 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 people experience just the plain reality of abortion as so confronting they 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 want to call it an act of violence and a crime mm. when all we're doing is showing what is itself a legal procedure how can it be a crime to mm. show the reality of a legal procedure well maybe maybe the the pictures are beginning to do their work there showing that this thing that we're calling healthcare is is in fact itself an act of violence so mm. so horrific that we don't even want to uh, see it mm. And I guess one parallel is the attempts that CBI UK have had, some successful in the past, of people trying to deface our images to cover up uh, what an unborn baby looks like in the womb or what an abortion procedure looks like, you know, which is mm. we have this. Uh, yeah, it's it's just the truth. People are trying, you know, it's the, as opposed to intentionally going to, uh, you know, going into an art gallery to destroy something that is beautiful, Hmm. attempt to you know you've got people on the street who are trying to uh, cover up or destroy the image of hmm. um, what an unborn baby looks like because because they hate uh, they hate the notion that um, th that would that basically you know they're being held to account for the for the 214,000 unborn babies that were killing each year uh, 250 thousand of which were um flushed down the toilet in the last couple of years so 150 no it's what over the last two years oh sorry the last two years sorry yes. yeah mm -hmm. so 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 over the last two years it's about mm. 250 since mm. yeah while abortion was brought in mm. so it's, so what you're forcing people to do is you're forcing people to respond not to your tactics but to the issue of forcing yeah. people to respond not to not to your framing of it but to the actual victim yeah. And I think yeah. that's the, that's really anyone listening to this podcast. Really, that's the, you know, even if you are say, um, you know, eco rights activist, you've got to make the issue the issue, mm. right? And, and that's mm. that's just it's that simple. You've got you mm. people who need to be responding to the issue, not not um, uh, you know, not some transcendental you know mm. attempt to try to make the issue relevant. Mm. Um, mm. And and I think that's what's so crucial. And and so one of the things we get the most pushback for as an organization is our postcard campaign, where we basically post postcard in postcards into uh, people's homes, detailing just what an unborn baby looks like in the womb, non-graphic, and also just some of the facts around abortion um, statistics um, in recent years. And again, people say, you know, you can't be doing this, you know. I've got kids in the house or I've had a miscarriage or, you know, um, I don't want to be having a conversation about this right now, not according to my consent. Right. And of course you've, you've got tension there. You've got disruption. You've got, you forced a conversation in the home uh, that wouldn't have otherwise been had. So you can see some of the principles at play, mm -hmm. but ultimately what is at the core of that? Well, it's the discussion around whether this unborn baby is a human being. Yeah, and why as an organisation do we think it's okay for us to be, um, to be, uh, you know, encouraging and forcing that conversation in homes? Well, it's because that's where abortion bills are currently being posted. Yeah. So you see, so so we're, the the difference between what we do and what some um, of these other activists for other uh, things do is we we try really making the issue the issue and yeah. and really getting the victim into the centre of the discussion, um, you know as opposed to our can of Heinz soup. Yeah, and, and, and the only reason there's any tension or discomfort at all, I mean, a, a picture of a living human embryo, on, you know, on what planet is that offensive or graphic or, or, or you know, uh, unwelcome? It's only precisely because we're in a society that is killing those human beings at scale, 
hundreds every day. If if we weren't doing that, there would be no reason why this this picture would be offensive or, or unwelcome. So mm-hmm. it it really kind of purifies the conversation and and says actually th- this right here is the issue. These are human beings. That's that's undeniable. Um, we, we know that we've got more evidence than ever of just how alive and kicking they are, and and yet we are we are killing them every day in hundreds, and and it's just by spotlighting that reality, it is that that's causing the tension. Of course, people will try and claim it's because of who we are or you know where we're doing this or whatever, but none of that would matter if if we weren't doing what we're doing as a society none of that would cause discomfort uh, it's 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 the issue itself and it's having that um brought to the surface and and look us in the face and say this is this is what we're doing as a nation that's why it's um deeply uncomfortable um yeah that's that's really helpful i'm, I'm reminded actually of um i don't know if you you remember this in the same way christian but the first time i came out on a display um, you, you got into this just slightly before I did, and when I, um, I think you told me you were doing uh, something that to me sounded like a, a sort of picket, um, and my honest sort of knee-jerk reaction was, oh no, this this sounds at best a bit pointless, embarrassing, at worst, you know, this is really inappropriate, and mm. I I came out to take a look half expecting that I'd have to drag my friend away from this scene where he was, you know, engaging in something, as I say, at best fruitless, at worst, um, uh, wrong, you know, mor- mor- morally wrong. And, and I had, mm-hmm. I guess, all the images planted in my brain from mainstream media as to what a pro-life protest, and I probably would have used that that terminology, um would look like I had the sort of Hillsborough Baptist sort of, you know, the placards, God mm-hmm. hates gays, whatever it is, you know, that mm-hmm. that's how we've been trained to, 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 to think about pretty much any public <laughs> Christian mm. or, 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 you know, pro-life sort of like mega, mega hats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it yeah. Mecca? Me- Mega, was it Mega? M- Mega, I think. Mecca Mega. is the place that um, Muslims go to on pilgrimage. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah, somebody yeah. might have Mecca hats as well. Um, yeah, I think a Mecca. I don't think a Mecca hat would cause any offence. No, you'd probably be right with the, yeah. the Mecca hat. The Guardian yeah. would definitely give you a much wider berth yeah. with a Mecca hat than a Maga. <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, when I when I arrived on the scene, nothing could have been further from uh, my expectations. You know, it was it was what four or five people with a single banner. I think big banner showing the reality of. Uh, of, of 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 this procedure we call abortion, showing a baby who's had violence done to them through uh, surgical abortion, four or five people quietly standing there, and as passers-by were were sort of walking um, within sort of normal speaking voice range, uh, engaging them in conversation. What do you think about abortion? Mm. And 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 rational discourse, showing the evidence, asking questions hearing what people have to say and and challenging their thinking and and in many cases uh persuading them and i found that so compelling so quickly that having come out as a real skeptic i actually turned around straight away joined the team got some leaflets and and got stuck in and have never looked back it was so different from what i'd been trained to expect and that's as someone who was at that time even you know very very sh- Sort of, um, you know, passionately and uh, and and sort of decidedly anti-abortion, pro-life, mm. and yet even then, I I assumed that the only kind of pro-life activism activism that exists is is um, is awful. Mm. Well, I'm delighted I managed to persuade you to join our. Well, I didn't say you persuaded me. I mean, uh... <laughs> I like to think so. I like no, to think I'm very so, but... grateful. You got that provided. <laughs> Well, now you're, and now you are, you know, running your own project for CBI UK. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing story. But yes, I mean, you know, I, when I first joined the ranks of CBI UK, I, I basically went, travelled out to Ireland to put the matter to bed, and I thought I was meeting a bunch of, you know, American 
far-right fanatic misogynists and then mm. i discovered that they only one of them was american uh none of them were far-right um and they uh this couple of them are post-abortive and i realized gosh what i've been taught to believe about pro-life activists was incredibly hmm. misleading and, and i think we all at some point in our journey have to go go through that pain barrier Mm. Um, and it's particularly relevant because because right now we've got these buffer zones. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that there's three uh, current buffer zones in the United Kingdom in in, in Manchester, um, uh, Richmond, and Ealing. But just of a week ago, uh, Bournemouth introduced uh, the UK's largest buffer zone. Okay, which is basically a zone where you're not allowed to engage with anyone for or against abortion or engage in any act of um, prayer or sketching for that matter anyway this Bournemouth uh, PSPO as what it's known as is 15 times the size of a football pitch right and and it's all been bought in on this uh, on the notion that some form of grievous harassment and intimidation is going on outside of these clinics right and and the mainstream media or the Bournemouth echo it's been the main uh, protagonist in the area has basically just lapped it up to say, you know, you know, if you pose the question, do you think it's okay for women to be harassed outside of abortion clinics? No, like 99.9% .9 of people are going to be like, absolutely not. So it's like, do you think we should criminalize that? Absolutely. Right. But that's assuming that that's what's happening. And, mm. and the reality is what is really happening is, is people, um, from, from normally from Catholic or Protestant faith backgrounds are engaging in prayer, offering support and help to women outside of these clinics, um, you know, uh, and and basically they are now being criminalized for that, hmm. which raises this really interesting question, which is, you know, why, you know, why are people allowed to walk into the National Gallery and throw soup over, you know, a national masterpiece, but someone engaging from some someone from Bournemouth here okay we're not talking like you know the hyper liberal capital of the UK someone from Bournemouth who's praying outside the Orphea Road abortion clinic uh, can now be arrested uh, for doing that you know it's kind of like what is going on here mm. um, and what we yeah what this uh, what this suggests to me is gross double standards when it comes to expressive mm. rights um, and just this insidious, quiet clamping down on uh, people who are saying that it's wrong to kill babies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it is a, a an awful irony that, yeah, at a time when we've got all these other activists stepping up their game and causing huge, dangerous disruption, it is, in the case of Bournemouth, uh, almost, and I know some of these people personally, um, almost all of them are uh, women in the second half of their lives. Um, some of them are very, very elderly, really women, peacefully praying. That's all they're doing. And 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 offering support, perhaps, if someone's, you know, if someone approaches them. That's all they're doing. And um, it does show how deep the deception of the media is able to go. You know, the fact that you and I, after, and this is after years of talking through this issue and being very convinced we need to do something, even then, we had been conditioned by the media as to what pro-life activism looks like. Uh, and the media is continuing to do very much the same uh, to this day. Uh, the Questions like, you know, do you, do you think it's wrong to harass? Well, I mean, it, it, it assumes a whole bunch of things. So f firstly, it assumes that it's not already illegal for women to be harassed outside abortion clinics. Of course it is. Harassment and intimidation are illegal anywhere and everywhere in the UK. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't harass... A woman anywhere um it also suggests that that's what pro-lifers are doing and they're not categorically no in the whole of great britain there has never been any harassment or intimidation of women outside abortion clinics how can i say that so categorically because there's never been um a prosecution there's never no one's ever been found guilty of doing that and i can tell you for sure we're being watched like hawks when, whenever we are doing anything outside these clinics there's mm. no evidence of any harassment or intimidation, which would already have been enough to have someone convicted because it's not happening. And then it also suggests that what then did happen, what these buffer zones 
um, actually impose, it suggests that those merely stop acts of harassment or intimidation, but they don't. They stop even crossing yourself in silent prayer. Mm. Um, they stop um, sprinkling of of water. I mean, you know, you and I, obviously, we, we're not Roman Catholics. We, we don't do those things. Uh, but it's horrifying all the same to see such a direct attack on religious freedom that in certain areas of Great Britain you can't even silently cross yourself. I mean, what 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 <laughs> what nation well, are we living in? I've actually calculated it um, on a spreadsheet, but it works out at around two hundred thousand square meters now in the United Kingdom. It's illegal to pray. And how interesting is it that the first places where prayer is being made illegal in the United Kingdom is where they're sacrificing children. Hmm. Like, if that's not a tweet for your Brefos hmm. uh, Twitter page, I don't know what is, because hmm. it, it seems to me clear as day what hmm. is going on here, which is if you worship darkness, if you worship Molech, if you worship the spirit of the age, and if you're sacrificing children to the spirit of the age, then that is exactly the kind of place where you don't want Christians praying hmm. and bearing witness. And so underneath all of this, you know, f uh, false evidence and you kind of kind of new, uh, you know, new definitions conjured up by the radical left. You know, I see a very dark, insidious agenda, which is, you know, getting the Christians as far away as they can from the place where mm. they're needed most. Mm. And, and this is why um, I'm actually excited about the future. This is why that even if in God's sovereignty, um, nationwide buffer zones do come in this afternoon um, uh, you know uh, under this Rupert Huck amendment obviously we pray that it doesn't happen but even if it did um, I think it's only going to set the field uh, for you know the kind of salty bright shining that the church needs to do in this area yeah and it does prove doesn't it that the abortion lobby the providers uh, feel very threatened by peaceful calm respectful praying and education and offer of support outside clinics they, they are they are really upset about it um mm. i've spoken with an ex director international director of mary stopes international one of the main abortion providers worldwide and he said they discuss at an international board level when it's 40 days for life when it's you know when it's prayer time because mm. they they see the impact on their business mm. they're terrified of prayer and they, and they hate people seeing the reality of abortion. And so you've got to ask, as our dear friend Greg Cunningham in the States, with his military background, um, from time to time reminds us, uh, you, you need to ask the enemy, what is it we're doing that bothers you? Mm. You know, what, what bothers you? Not what, what, is, what makes us feel great or what do our supporters like? Or, mm. you know, what, what kind of goes down well with, um, with, with the passers-by? But what are we doing that bothers you? And clearly... This kind of activism bothers mm. the abortion industry. They feel very much harassed and intimidated by prayer and by the truth uh, getting out because oppressors, those who hold the reins of injustice, those who are perpetrating genocides, they feel really harassed when someone stands up and exposes what they're doing. They hate mm. it. it. It really upsets them because genocides thrive on being covered up and denied and that's why they're generally done you know, in faraway places or behind walls or, mm. you know, in, um, in, uh, you know, in, in the dead of night or in, you know, you think about the slave trade happening out of sight and out of mind uh, in the West Indies, you know, so that the ordinary English man or woman never saw that stuff. Genocide perpetrators hate it when people draw attention to what it is they're actually doing. And so, mm. Christians, pro-lifers, people of goodwill need to sit up and pay attention and learn to read through the media and see what is actually going on here. And what's actually going on is those with a vested interest, often a financial interest in the industrial killing of human babies want to keep the truth about that as far away from the location where that's happening. Mm. Well, and that's what we do isn't it that's that is our entire strategy is is unveiling uh, the injustice and uh, and challenging people's 
perception of it. And in that sense, again, what we're calling people to, we're not we're not standing here saying we need an army of people to throw soup. Um, we're not looking for people to glue themselves to things. We're not asking for people to lie down on busy motorways and uh, and cause sort of unilateral disruption. All we're asking for is people to step forward and say, I'm willing to hold a picture that shows the reality of what's going on in our nation. I'm willing to hold a picture showing the humanity of the baby in the womb and all its majesty. I'm willing to hold a picture showing what abortion actually is. And we're looking for people who are willing to engage peacefully and respectfully with passers-by, with anyone who's willing to engage mm-hmm. and make the case for life. And, and of course, the, the victims of this injustice are the most voiceless people mm-hmm. group ever. There is no people group more vulnerable, more oppressed, or more voiceless. And if, if, if we can't see that as an urgent pressing uh, priority for us to be voices for the very most voiceless, then I question whether we have any notion whatsoever of what what it means to stand up for justice. The, the, the protester we played the clip of at the beginning there talked about justice, you know, what matters more, art or justice. And mm. we don't we don't have our ABCs in justice, in justice if we can't see this is the greatest injustice, mm. not only of our day, but of all history, just numerically speaking. Mm. And therefore standing up against this injustice has got to be a driving priority. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just maybe maybe someone listening to this podcast has, is, is doing so because they were Googling um, the, the, the soup protesters. But the point is this, is whilst the cost of living matters, whilst you know not destroying our planet matters to God, nothing matters more than um not killing our children um because because when we do that we bring a curse upon ourselves and upon our nation and we defile our land and we pollute our land in a way that is far more culpable than an oil spill Mm. um and so yeah i i hope that there may be some people listening to this who 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 actually you know, they, they want to do something about injustice in the world. They're not sure what to do. Uh, but but I hope people listening to this will, will think, actually, here's a group of people who are, have their heads screwed on. They will take principles of social reform, but they will apply them in a way that is effective, which doesn't, mm. um, doesn't penalize uh, just the common person, but actually persuades the common person to come on board um, and, you know, in a way that doesn't... Um, you know go through multiple abstract you know um you know links before we finally get to the issue you know it's kind of but actually says no here's the issue abortion is very simple it intentionally kills an innocent human being therefore any country that is going to legalize that and support that encourage that is going uh heading in an incredibly dire direction Mm. that needs to be rectified immediately so Mm. so i think that's yeah that that's my that's my my hope, and I hope that as we've as you've heard us speaking about this stuff, you you'd see you know uh, where the lines of where the boundaries are for effective social reform, and also just like darn right lunacy and mm. vandalism and criminal activity, and uh, you know it's a shame really. I mean, I would have quite liked to eat those soups; it would have been far better use. Um, well, I've um I've written to Heinz. Have um, you? I've Have they given Heinz. a statement on this? Uh, I don't know if they've given a statement, but I, I um, as you know, our, our sponsorship um, drive has not been very successful so far. I've got bad news on the um, Shaw for Men front. Oh, do um, you? They're owned by Unilever as well. Uh, same the as Unilever Lynx. community. Yes. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. So um, I wrote to Heinz, see if they'd sponsor us. And I, I said, I can guarantee we'll never throw your soup at anyone or anything, no matter how strongly we feel about our cause. So we'll see what they say. Um, we focused a lot on... Um, They'll probably write back to you saying that they're owned by Unilever as well. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be interesting to see what they say. Um, I got, I mean, Unilever, I got, I got a reasonable response from Unilever. It wasn't, wasn't quite as uh, hostile as I expected, but um, we'll oh, see. Eventually we'll get there. We'll get we'll endorsed get by someone. Someone will have 
Blessed is the first company that does it. Well, this is what I said to Heinz. I said, you know, not not only will we not throw your product at things, uh, you you will also have the opportunity of being the first major brand to be on the right side of history uh, with regard to the great injustice of our day. So um, nice. one hopes that Heinz has the the sort of the sort of his, historical sort of gravitas to kind of get a sense of mm. of how the how the generations change and uh, mm -hmm. maybe they can have the foresight to choose rightly. We'll see. We've talked a lot about um, our activism in terms of where we position ourselves, our our conduct, um, the use of pictures. We haven't spoken much about the actual conversations we have, the, the, the method of apologetics. We'll, we'll, we'll pick that up another time. Um, but I just wanted to, to close things with um, just a script actually I read this morning as it happens in my, in my um, daily readings. I'm in Proverbs at the moment. Uh, Proverbs, I think, is full of uh, wisdom for how, how to engage um, with friends, with enemies, with uh, with those who agree with you and so on. And uh, just came, came across this this morning. It's Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And, um, and it's interesting that when you, of course, anger people, especially if you're angering them deliberately, uh, the walls go up and rational discourse becomes more and more difficult. What people um, perhaps don't realize about the work we do on the streets, if they've never seen it in real life, is just how often uh, the opposite's taking place. We, we often have people come up to us full of anger, mm. um, but by God's grace, we're able to speak a gentle word, which turns away wrath. And, um, and very often, in fact, I was in Bournemouth just the other day with, with the team there, and uh, a young couple came up um, and went straight in with the, you know, with a sort of what about, you know, what what about rape? What about you know sexual crime? You have know, quite het up, and mm -hmm. and we've got uh, a method, not only in our tone and our conduct, but in our apologetics kind of training. We've got a method for sort of absorbing that, haven't we? We we kind of we we take that hit of anger. We we we've learned how to absorb that. And just kind of neutralize, you know, take some of the energy off that and turn that into a fruitful conversation. And that particular conversation with this young couple, they had a couple of, um, I think they're twin boys maybe, in prams. Um, by the end of that conversation, although the, the, the guy was much more persuaded than the than the lady, uh, she was really very pro-abortion right up to birth. We're all sort of pro-choice pro absolutist. Uh, he was, his mind was changed a lot more. But with both of them, it finished on amicable terms. We all shook hands, have a nice day, off they went. And I trust they went with something to think about. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in another episode. But as well as the pictures, we've got our words. And, and we found that to be such a dynamite combination mm. on the streets and online and in any context. The pictures change how people sort of see the issue very viscerally. You know, you, you, you sort of see, wow, this thing I thought was healthcare, I'm seeing it's actually horrific. But then the words kind of help people's brains to catch up with that, you know, to kind of dr connect those dots. And, and you know, because a lot of their worldview is, is sort of being um, sort of dragged along like off the back of a chariot quite uncomfortably uh, where they're, they're, half their head's already gone with the pictures. And yet they're also saying, well, hang on, I've been, I've been taught it's a, it's a woman's right to choose. And, and so the apologetics can kind of help pick up that sort of disconnect and, and help people to rewire their thinking. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I don't know about you, Christian, but I, I can honestly say I've never been out on the streets doing the public education work um, and not had at least one conversation where people's minds, you know, That's exactly, haven't, this haven't changed to some degree. Yeah, so the, but this is exactly the point is, you know, whilst the truth speaks it, the truth has to be accompanied by um you know relationship and embodied character and that's why you know we we do spend a large proportion of our work standing next to our images so we can field those kind of discussions because people do still take a bit of persuading and going back to the start point if you've made it this far on the podcast is 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 that kind of conversation is not you can't have it if you've got one hand glued to a wall, you know, and, and the way that the lady with the pink hair rubbed her hands together, she couldn't even shake your hand 
afterwards because you may stick herself to you you know like you the, the point the point <laughs> is it's it's not it's not conducive for actually having that conversation that needs to be had to take people on in their journeys and and yeah we do um our teams are highly trained uh, to handle those conversations and to handle them well and you know there's been loads of times where you know even people that we fundamentally disagree with we've hugged mm -hmm. at the end or, or or people who said well like, you know i'm pro abortion and you're not going to change my mind but good work you know mm -hmm. it's kind of mm -hmm. like, why do they say that why mm -hmm. you know it's, it's like they it's like something deep inside them knows that mm -hmm. it's good to have respectful people challenging yep. the way society thinks and and i like to think we at cbi uk do that exceptionally well um, and again that's the uh, the martin luther king dictum isn't it whom you would change you must first love and they must know that you love them and uh, it's also been said people won't necessarily remember what you say but they will remember how you made them feel and um and by god's grace i think we're able to to put that into practice not perfectly but but effectively um what's the call to action then christian where can people go if they want to get involved in this kind of well, activism if you've made it this far or if uh, or if uh, our editor has moved this section further up in the video, um, you need to join us at www.cbiuk.org forward slash join. And this is our Join the Movement page in which uh, wherever you are in the country, um, it's our kind of, you know, entry into uh, getting you active on this issue. And so by joining that, uh, we can not only connect you to teams in your area if they exist, but if they don't, we can we can pull you into our our, our national mobilized call in which we can, um, you know, help to equip you to take your first steps uh, towards effective social reform. And yeah, and we'll, and we'll address many questions along the way. Um, but that that is by far the best way to um, the best first step is to join that. And yeah, I host those calls last Thursday of every month. Um, just to kind of get people, uh, you know, off the off the runway and, you know, into the air on this. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Christian. That's cbiuk.org slash join. Well, thanks so much for, for listening in, everybody. We've uh, enjoyed this conversation. Hope you have too. If you have, please do uh, share it with a friend. Send it to someone who's, who's maybe never thought about this stuff uh, before. Um, do comment, send any questions in. Uh, we, we do read those. We'll address them in due course and uh yeah thanks for for listening and we'll see you again next week it's worth noting uh if you do do join the movement you don't need to bring uh, tomato soup or super glue with you on that call no it's all provided it's all provided <laughs>